Hola, everybody. This is Drew Miller with Catch All Podcast. Actually, not, I mean, I'm with Catch All, but none of the other Catch All guys are here. Um, I'm all alone, as usual. Huh, I need to figure that out, too. Anyways, uh, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, remember how I read the first two chapters of my award-winning novel that I wrote when I was in eighth grade? Well, I'm going to do the next two chapters today. Chapters three and chapters four of the hit series novel thing, Mystery on Strandberg Mountain. If you haven't uh, read the first two chapters, or not read because it's not anywhere where you can read it, but if you haven't listened to the first two chapters and you are interested, uh, be prepared to go and read it now on our SoundCloud or wherever it's at because this will have a lot of spoilers for you and you won't really know where you are in the story. So do me a favor and stop listening right now if you haven't heard the first two chapters and go listen to that, then come back and hang out with me. Peace. If you or someone you know has been affected by boredom, you need to try Catch All Podcast. Consult your conscience before listening as possible side effects may include but are not limited to an eight-pack of abs due to excessive laughing as well as incessant crying like if the polarized caps melted from global warming. Listeners may also experience some level of existential crisis. Stop tuning in to Catch All Podcast if you realize that you are in fact listening to random rascals ramble on about random stuff. Chapter 3, The Door Beneath the Rug. Here we go. All right, we got this. I wonder who he is, Dylan said. Well, we know that he was the spy that you and I chased. (laughs) No, he could have been the one who was going to get that slip of paper from the gang, Dylan suggested. How do you know that it was a gang, Drew questioned Dylan's judgment. I hate this so much. I absolutely do. All right, let's keep going. Page turn. Well, they were all in a group, Dylan said. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a gang. They could possibly be in a separate gang working together, Drew stated. I sound like Kevin right now. I sound like I'm Kevin from The Office. That's how bad this is written. Okay, I continue. Whatever, Dylan nodded his head in agreement anyways. Wait real quick, Drew started. Let's go to Dad's bag and get his file of criminal records so we can see if this guy has a criminal background. Dad always carries his file of records with him no matter where he goes anyhow. Good idea, Dylan complimented. It's not really a good idea because I feel like we'd probably go to jail. I feel like that's information that uh, teenage boys shouldn't be privy to. But anyways, the boys quietly tiptoed to their parents' room. Drew opened the door and it creaked slightly. All was quiet in the room except for their father's snoring. Dylan and Drew tried not to laugh as they grabbed the folder and quickly walked out of the room. A smile brightened up on Dylan's face once he had quietly shut the door. (laughs) Dad sure snores a lot, Dylan criticized with a chuckle. Drew simply nodded his head and turned away with a smile. (laughs) Dylan, I wouldn't be talking, Drew said. What? You snore just as bad yourself, he replied and laughed. I don't snore. It's just in your dreams, he shot back teasingly. Drew shrugged his shoulders and walked over to the coffee table, folder in hand. After looking up the name, they realized that the man had a criminal record of stealing at jewelry stores, houses, and museums. (laughs) Right, museums. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Very interesting, Dylan said. What? Drew asked. He seems to rob anywhere from big places to small places, Dylan replied. And it says here that he had just gotten out of jail two weeks ago. 
We've done enough on that matter. Now, is there anything else on the paper? Drew asked. There could be. Let me check real fast. Dylan studied the sheet of paper and said, Yeah, there's a time on here. The time reads 4.30 a.m. Saturday, November 15th. I spelled out 15th. Wow, what a nut. It's written in very small handwriting down in the bottom left corner. Are you positive it's not p.m.? Drew asked. I'm sure it's a.m., Dylan said. <laughs> then that must mean it's when and where the gang is going to meet, Drew suggested. And it must be important if they're having a meeting that early in the morning. Huh. So we have to be up around 2 a.m. and no later, Dylan added, because that's tomorrow morning. And it might take us a while to find the right house, Drew said. The brothers went to bed and awoke at 1.45 a.m. They showered and got dressed. Why are you guys showering? You're getting ready to go like... Whatever. doesn't matter. They showered and got dressed. They then headed upstairs. Drew left a note telling his family members that he and Dylan wouldn't be back until 7 a.m. and that if they didn't return by 7.30, call the police immediately. You dimwit should have called the police from the start. Like, you... Like, you should just let, they came to the property, you should just let them handle it. No, instead, you gotta go be spies, and you gotta do your own stupid little story. You, they're gonna get killed. I have a bad feeling about this. And if they didn't return by 7.30, call the police immediately. While Drew did that, Dylan got two strawberry toaster strudels out of the fridge. They tried to keep quiet so that their parents wouldn't wake up from down below. Drew stuck the sheet of paper on the refrigerator by using magnets. <laughs> Dylan grabbed the car keys to their grandparents' old Lincoln Town car, which they always let the two brothers drive in whenever they wanted to. They both quietly locked the door and headed out to their town car. Good timing, Drew said as he started the car up. More like perfect timing to me, Dylan said. But do you think they'll be worried when they wake up? Page turn. I hope not, but that is why we should hurry up and get back here as soon as possible. That way, we can take the note off the refrigerator and pretend that nothing ever happened. The stars were flickering off in the distance. When they returned on Highway 190, I don't even think that's a road, they looked over to the side of the Pine Mountain Ridge. It was an, you know, it's funny, I still don't know the highways around there. I just know how to get places. Anyways, uh, it was an extraordinary sight. They looked down the side of the mountain only to find that no lights were on in the little towns below. Uh, soon, they pulled off the highway and entered an old country road with a sign that read, Meadows Drive. After riding a little ways, Drew said, There's the mailbox for 132, Meadows Drive. Not doctor. <laughs> that was a joke, because I thought it was doctor last chapter. All right. So that must mean the next mailbox should be 134, Meadows Drive, Dylan added. I don't think so, Drew said. The mailbox says 136. Hmm. Then where's the mailbox for 134, Meadows Drive, Dylan questioned. Maybe it's hidden. Or maybe the man dropped a note intentionally to get us off track, Drew suggested. Let's turn around. They turned around. <laughs> there wasn't a mailbox or a driveway to show any sign of the house that they were looking for. Maybe we should ask the neighbors if, they've seen, if they have seen anything suspicious, Dylan said. They first went to the house that said 132 Meadows Drive. After knocking on the door, isn't it like 2 in the morning? Who does? Who goes and knocks on people's door at 2 in the That's a bad idea. After knocking on the door, they went back to their car because there was no answer. Duh. Jeez, idiots. Now let's try house number with 136 Meadows Drive. Good idea, Dylan agreed. They pulled up to a two-story house. It had a weird-looking color to it. Oh my gosh, it's two in the morning, you guys. You can't tell what color the house... Whatever. 
There was one car, a Lexus 2000, parked in the driveway. I don't believe it. That's the car I had chased yesterday, Drew exclaimed. Well, we don't know that for sure, Dylan said. After examining the car, they could see dirt all over the side. This is definitely the car I saw yesterday, Drew said. Well, as I said before, Dylan started, let's not jump to conclusions. Drew spotted a dim light up in a window of the house. Drew, I don't think it's right to go knocking on doors at this hour. <laughs> Maybe we should come back later, Dylan suggested. Not unless we want to find the meeting place in time, Drew objected. Besides, there was a light on in the house. So, maybe someone accidentally left the light on. Whatever. Drew and Dylan walked up to the door and knocked. I don't think there's anybody awake at this hour. You were right, Dylan, Drew said. He glanced at his watch. We're doing perfect on time, though. <laughs> then a man in a tank top with orange pajama bottoms walked out on the porch. The brothers were stunned that someone really was awake at this hour. Hey, uh, sorry that we bothered you at this hour, but... The man immediately turned around with a look of fear and eyes bulging out of his head and slammed the door behind him. The boys could hear that the man was locking the door. They heard silence from then on. Finally, Dylan said, A very pleasant person, huh? Drew didn't answer. He started walking back to the car in a disappointed mood. Dylan then followed. Yeah, very pleasant person, Drew finally said as he started the car. Uh, took you long enough to say that. Suspense, I guess. Anyways, wait, look at the little dirt path behind the house, Dylan demanded. Drew looked. I see it. Let's go check it out, Dylan suggested. It might lead to a secret entrance way or a meeting place. Besides, that guy really seems suspicious, like he's got something to hide. Okay, but we've got to hide the car somewhere down the road, just in case if Mr. Scaredy Cat tries to spy on us. Drew nodded to a window in which the man was standing. He eyed the brothers suspiciously. Drew pulled out of the drive and started down the road in which they came. Soon they came to a clearing off of the road and turned the car in there. There was a clump of bushes to the left side of the clearing and they decided to hide the car there. It only took a few minutes to reach the house once more. Follow me, Drew instructed. Dylan did as he was told. They quietly crept through the woods, although leaves were crunching on every step that was made. Once they came to the path, they saw the rear side of the house. We made it this far, so let's keep going, Dylan said. And the path wasn't that wide, but they were able to stay side by side. Oh, that's cute. They walked deeper into the heart of the woods. I don't see anywhere to look for a hideout, said Dylan. Quiet, Drew said. Do you hear what I hear? Footsteps. Hide, Dylan demanded. Drew immediately followed his brother's order. Yeah, right. And dove into the bushes. Dylan jumped behind a large oak tree as quick as a flash. They saw a man with a small pistol, oh, good grief, yeah, that's intense, approaching them from the path they had just taken. Apparently the man didn't see them because he kept looking around with the gun pointing in all directions, and they didn't have bullet holes in them, so I guess he didn't see them yet. All right, soon he walked farther on down the path, and Dylan said, it's all clear. Let's tail him, Drew suggested. Yeah, that's smart, tail guy with a pistol. Bright idea, Dylan agreed. They stayed at <laughs> adequate distance, away from the strange suspect. After a few minutes of walking, the man walked into a shed that ended the middle of the path. Okay, and then he walked inside. The man didn't reappear as the next few minutes went by. There wasn't a noise inside the shed either. About five minutes later, Drew said, I wonder where he is. Do you suppose that there's something valuable hidden in that shed? Dylan questioned. Could be. Let's go take a look. Ready to fight in case the man was still in there. Drew silently opened the door. It creaked only a little bit. He's not here, Drew exclaimed, dazzled and dismayed. Maybe there's another way out of here, Dylan suggested. And he snuck out that way. 
I doubt it. We would have heard him for sure. And he only would have done that if he knew we were following him, Drew reluctantly said. Oh, Dylan said. Then all of a sudden he gave a cry of pain. Ah! As he tripped and landed on the floor. Ouch! As he did this, Dylan revealed a small door underneath an intriguing-looking rug that he tripped on. Dylan, you just uncovered a very important clue. <laughs> and that ends uh, the chapter of the door beneath the rug, which is the third chapter. <laughs> this stupid book. Oh my gosh. That would happen. That's like Barney Fife mixed with Blue's Clues. Like, oh, that's just so good. All right, let's continue after this. Chapter 4, Vicious Beasts. Wow, I guess I did, Dylan said as he sat there astounded. You do the honors, Dylan. You deserve it, Drew pointed to the trap door. Ah, shucks, Dylan said. Quickly but quietly, he opened the door. There was a small passage that went down quite a few feet. They had to climb a ladder to get level with the solid ground. The ladder was just a few bars stuck into the side of the clay-like wall. Little lamps. (laughs) Page turn. Um were running across the hard walls. Soon they started hearing voices as they walked down the dark corridor. What's that smell, Dylan whispered. I have no earthly idea, admitted Drew, but I... Probably because it's the earth, you bunch of dimwits. Gosh dang, they they make me so angry. Alright, down the corridor they heard voices once more. At first the voices were faint, but they gradually crescendoed as they neared the end of the tunnel. Then they came upon a door. Beyond the rickety old door, they could hear men's voices. The boys excitedly tuned in to the conversation. Those Miller brothers are going to pay if they don't get off this case. (laughs) Yay, we're famous. Bad guys know who we are. A man muttered, they probably don't even know what they're on. They probably don't even know that they're on a case. Another chimed in. We have to get them away from the old people's property. If only we could scare them away. If they find out that we're doing some stuff on their grandparents' property, they'll nab us for sure. <laughs> so we gotta stay together, or who knows what'll happen. Oh wait, I'm so sorry. This is this is Georgia, by the way. So I need to get some redneck draw going on. Hold on. The man's voice was Finnish. Oh, never mind. That answers that. He's from Finland. <laughs> uh, the brothers could tell by the accent. I actually don't have a Finnish accent. I don't even know how it sounds. I'm gonna fake it. All right. They had both studied a lot about Finland and knew quite a lot about the country. Drew and Dylan were also of Finnish descent. Hmm, that makes things interesting. Um, what if they, what if they find out what what we're doing on their property? Oh wait, no, that's another man. So all right, what if they find out what we're doing on their property? Another man's voice spoke up. Then we are dead meat. And what if they tell their father that we are sneaking around their property? I mean, he's the best detective in the world. You don't actually believe all that junk, do you? The other man didn't answer. You watch news too much. I mean, we're George's most wanted. He'll never catch us. He hasn't caught up to us in years. Seriously, man, the other voice spoke up. He's he's only caught, what, you know, a few of... He's only caught a few of the most wanted before. For all these years, he's been trying to get a hold of us, but he can't. He's caught our closest gang friends except us, the Finnish voice corrected him. There was a great cheer in the little space beyond the doorway. Woohoo! We're villains and we're getting away with it. And soon, we'll break our men free from the Fayette County Jail. 
Drew said to Dylan softly, since they think that they're getting away with this and they, they think they're the best. Hurry up and go get Dad. Dylan nodded in agreement. Dylan turned to go back through the corridor. Drew suddenly grabbed his brother's arm when they heard a man say, Listen, guys, I, I gotta get going back to my brother up at the house. We'll come with you. Yeah, yeah, the voices insisted. They took our derbs. They took our, they took our derbs. All right. The brothers looked at each other frantically, both of them knowing that the spies were headed their way. Then they quickly ran down the corridor. Uh, sorry, I <laughs> totally lost my place. It's just black ink after black ink after black ink. And oh, good night. All right. They quickly ran down the corridor. It felt like they were running for the Olympic track team. They soon got back on the ladder and started up. Quickly, with Drew in the lead, they pushed their way upward. Voices were stirring rapidly in the distance, and they and then they echoed through the tunnel. Dylan's heart sank as Drew said, It won't budge! Perspiration trickled off their faces, and their hands began to sweat. <laughs> then, with all of his might, of course it's me, Drew pushed open the door and broke it with a mighty clink. It snapped right off the hinges. What are we going to do about this? Didn't want to ask as he stepped on the floor looking at the miniature door that lay there. Leave it. We got to get out of here before the criminals catch on to us. They pushed open the door and sprinted down the pathway. Did you break the door? One of the men shouted when the villains got inside the shed. Uh, no. I know who did it. The other man spoke up. And so do you. Those Miller brats did. The brothers were running as they heard a person yell out the distance, out in the distance near the shed. What? Go grab the dogs! The brothers could hear the barking and howling off in the distance. They took off through the woods at full speed. First, they chased criminals, and now they are by chased by ravaging beasts, bloodthirsty for meat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Pretty soon they could, yeah, because we're like puppy chow, right? All right, pretty soon they could use, or no, they could see three massive dogs running after them through the woods. Drew spotted a chance to at least knock one of the dogs out of the chase. A wiry branch came out from a large tree. Drew grabbed the branch and slung it back just as one of the dogs jumped to bite his flesh off. It smacked the beast in the face and it fell to the ground and whimpered. The dog stood up with its tail in between and the back of his legs. Uh, the other two dogs followed on to Dylan. Drew caught up to them and tackled one of the dogs. They tussled around on the ground as Dylan tried to escape the last dog. <clears throat> Swallow. <clears throat> Cough. <clears throat> Drew had a rough time with the monstrous beast after the vicious animal snatched him on the scratched him on the back. He cried out in pain. <clears throat> Just as Drew thought he was going to be raw meat for the animal, a sharp object caught his eye. It was a jagged rock. Why are they not carrying knives? A bunch of idiots. I hate these people. Oh my gosh. Alright. Um, Drew reached for it as the animal tried to bite him, but he couldn't grab the rock. The frightened boy quickly pushed the dog's neck upward so that the wild animal couldn't bite him. Again, Drew reached his arm as far as it could go. This time, though, he pulled the rock. Oh no, I lost my page. Ah, come back quickly. Grab the page. Ah. Drew pulled the rock straight up from the ground. The starving monster came closer to him with those long, jagged teeth. Drool dripped down from the animal's mouth, ready for an early morning meal. Obviously, the dog never got his breakfast because Drew had thrust a rock into the dog's foot. Blood oozed from the dog's foot and it fell to the ground, whimpering in pain. In a way, Drew felt kind of sad for the pitiful beast. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a pitiful beast. Good night. But it was his life or the dog's foot. He chose the dog's foot by a long shot. He regained his composure and brushed the back of his jeans and shirt to get the dirt off. Meanwhile, Dylan had passed the house with the dog close on his heels. The poor boy was getting very tired and began to grasp for air as he slowly ran towards the road. He could tell that the dog was getting exhausted and slowed down a bit too. So soon Dylan and the monster neared the road. When they turned onto the rough, unpaved road, Dylan could hear shouting near the house. Dylan could care less, though. He hopped into the car and locked the doors. He started the car just as the beast came into view behind the car. Dylan pressed the car in reverse and started towards the gaining animal. The vicious dog ran into the back of the car and fell over with a howl. Quickly, the animal dashed back onto the woods. Yeah, right, you just ran over it. Whatever. Then Dylan stuck the car back into Ford and started speedily down the road. Just then, Dylan saw Drew come darting out of the woods at full speed. Oh, good, I'm glad he didn't leave me behind. Wait for me, Drew yelled out to Dylan, although his brother couldn't hear him. Almost forgot about you, Dylan shouted over the running engine as he stopped the car. Dylan smiled, because <laughs> it's so happy right now. But Drew didn't apprehend to what his brother had said. He quickly got into the car. The brother switched places in the car because Dylan was too young to drive. <laughs> So let me get this straight. He's too young to drive. What is he, like 15 or something? And yet, we are both chasing bad guys in the woods. With They have guns, and we have jagged rocks that we pull out of the ground. That, that makes total sense. Why, have these, why are we not dead yet? We should be dead. Maybe we die at the end. I don't remember. Um, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> After they got a few settled a few seconds later, Dylan glanced back over his shoulder to see if there was a car behind them. After doing it two or three times, he glanced back only to see a Lexus 2000 following them. Ah! The Lexus soon gained on them. After about one or two miles up and down the mountain, the two cars went flashing by. It seemed like forever the chase lasted until one of the men in the car pulled out a gun. <laughs> I wonder if it was a paintball gun this time. Drew tried to dodge the bullets as they whizzed past the car. I'll play a trick on them, Drew thought to himself once he calmed down. Yeah, right. There was a four-way stop up ahead. When he reached the four-way stop, he saw an oncoming car heading their way. He turned on his right blinker and wasted no time in maneuvering the car to the left side instead of the right to confuse the evil men behind him. <laughs> then he turned right to get them all mixed up. But then he only went straight down the opposite highway from where they had just come. I'm so confused. I think I lost myself writing this. Okay, so what I did was I turned on the right blinker, right? Then I wasted no time in maneuvering to the left to confuse the evil men behind me. Then I turned right to get them all mixed up. So was I like trying to reverse the reverse psychology? I turned on my right blinker and instead looked like I was going to turn left and then I turned right anyways. But then somehow I end up straight down the opposite highway. So I went straight across the road apparently. I don't know. I don't think I was driving at this point when I wrote the book. Yeah, I was in eighth grade so I didn't really know directions all that well. I didn't know how four-way stops worked, apparently. <laughs> okay, anyways. They were headed in the direction to their grandparents' home. The men in the Lexus were puzzled when Drew did that and swerved out of the way of the oncoming vehicle. Then they crashed into a huge pine tree and missed the other car by only a coat of paint. In the rearview mirror, the brothers could see the three men stomp out of the car. 
But as they did, one of the men shot one last bullet as it splintered into the left rear tire. Dylan sat there dumbfounded for a moment and said, You had me dazzled for a second there. <laughs> oh, did I? Well, we'll never see that Lexus again. I still don't really know just what happened right now. Um, but somehow we survived. Anyways, then Drew noticed that the back wheel was rolling bumpily across the road, but very quickly. <laughs> then they realized that the tire had been shot once it popped with a loud bang. He quickly slammed on the brakes, but the car swerved and hit the guardrail, causing sparks to fly up in the air. At the end of the guardrail, Drew swerved so that the car wouldn't fall into the deep ditch. The car then came to a stop. Drew and Dylan looked back and saw bits and pieces of tire laying all over the road. In frustration, Drew and Dylan quickly ran to the side to ran to look at the tire in the side of the car door. There were scratches and dents placed all over the side. Darn, <laughs> Drew said in total disgust. That's two cars I've destroyed in two days in a row. <laughs> Dylan stood there, astounded. I'm I'm in disgust right now. I am in disgust at myself for writing this piece of Mr. Hanky and allowing it to be sold all over the world. That would be awesome. Maybe I'd be rich. Probably not, though. All right. The two cars I've destroyed two days in a row. Dylan stood there astounded, too, even, too astounded to even mutter a single word. The tire was almost completely off the rim. A sharp feeling occurred in the pit of Drew's stomach. Uh, oh, did he get shot? Nope. After a few moments, Dylan uttered shakily, Drew, I think we better call the police. And a car repair shop, Drew added negatively. But there's a slight problem. What's that? Dylan asked. We don't have a cell phone with us, Drew replied. Drew, it's called using common sense, Dylan said. The police will either get a phone call from someone that witnessed the accident and come, or we could go to the police station. It's just a little ways in town. And besides, we could stop and use a payphone. Yeah, good idea, Drew said as they both hopped into the wrecked car. Luckily, the car wasn't totally damaged, but it could still barely drive. How? They lost a tire and hit a guardrail. At the side, they could totally drive that thing. I saw it in the transporter. He's driven worse cars than that. Anyways, the car inched its way down the road, covering not more than a foot every ten seconds. <laughs> Soon they got to the empty car that had crashed, and they saw an ambulance and two police cars parked next to it. When they got out of the car, Drew and Dylan were met by four policemen and an ambulance man. <laughs> And an ambulance man. <laughs> Three of the policemen they recognized because of the incident that had happened the night before. The other one seemed to be the chief of police, head of the police force. Two policemen walked over to the damaged Lexus and inspected it after greeting the two boys. The chief of Pine Mountain greeted them cordially and said that his name was Chief Edwards. The policemen that they had both seen the night before said to them, What are you doing besides chasing bad guys this time? Well, we're pretty much chasing bad guys, Drew said sarcastically. <laughs> How's that sarcastic? <laughs> and getting chased by him too, Dylan added. I see. Well, do you mind telling me what happened? Drew told the exciting story as the other police officers tuned into the conversation. Drew finished by saying that he and his brother had played a trick on the notorious criminal masterminds. <laughs> yeah, right. Then the chief asked what had happened to their car. Drew explained what had happened. When we, when we, when we catch those villains, they'll pay for the damages of your car, Chief Edwards promised. When the brothers heard this, they jumped straight in midair and thanked the chief greatly. To get off the subject, Dylan said, Hey, do you mind if we take a look into the Lexus? <laughs> right. No, we don't mind, Chief Edwards said once he realized that they were the sons of the famous Jack Miller. Still, it doesn't make it okay, but whatever. The brothers walked toward the dented car. The two boys inspected the car thoroughly. 
They checked in the dashboard, under the seats, and even in the cup holders for clues. Just as it seemed hopeless to find anything, Drew spotted a shiny object stuck in the middle of the back seat's pocket. What? He picked it up carefully and examined it. It looked as if it were a necklace made in another country. Then he looked around and placed it in his back pocket. He didn't think it was a good idea to show the police until he and his brother couldn't find anything out about the bracelet. What? These guys are idiots. Drew walked over toward his brother. Dylan, we had better get going, he said. Food and... Or loud enough for the police to hear him. Okay, Dylan said... Or, oh, Dylan's depressed here. Okay, Dylan said depressed. Well, thanks for giving us a hand, one police officer said. Did you find anything? Uh, no, sir, Dylan replied gloomily. Oh, gloomily. No, sir, Dylan replied gloomily. The brothers got into the town car and started down the road, going bumpily and speedily. What does that mean? Anyways, the car could barely make another mile. They started the slow process once more. But you just said I was going fast, Drew. You said speedily, bumpily and speedily. Those were your words. Not future, Drew. So whatever. Anyways. Okay. Drew took the road that led into the town of Warm Springs. Where on earth are you going? Asked Dylan. We're going to Warm Springs, Drew explained. Why? We're going to Don's car repair shop. I'm going to see how much it costs to repair it, Drew said. But Chief Edwards said the villains would pay for the damages, Dylan objected. We might not catch the bad guys yet, so we're going to have to go ahead and pay. Then the bad guys will pay us. I mean, we can't go all the way back to Granny and Papa's house in this vehicle. Okay, Dylan agreed. Once the car reached the repair shop, they parked into the garage and got out. Ah, a husky man said. Hello, Drew and Dylan greeted him. Could you take a look at the damage to our car? Uh, Drew asked. Hey, you're Bill and Becky's grandsons, if I'm not mistaken, he said warmly. Yes, sir, Dylan spoke up. We are. It's nice to meet you, he said as he shook their hands openly. Your grandparents tell me lots about you two when they drive by down in these here parts. Wow. That's so racist. I'm like rednecking out here. They're one of my best customers. Your grandpa's always coming in for tractor parts. He laughed and Drew nodded <laughs> with his head in agreement as, as the polite man spoke up. Finally, he inspected the damage on the vehicle and said that he'd try and fix it over the next day or two. How much will it cost to be repaired, Dylan asked, a nervous feeling sweeping through him. Well, I'm not sure, Don replied, but since you're related to Bill and Becky, then I'll give you a couple bucks off. Oh, thank you, Drew and Dylan chorused. How do you two plan to get home, Don asked him. We'll walk to the car dealership in town down the road and rent a car there, Drew replied. You're too young to rent a car, you idiot. Oh, Drew, you didn't know anything. After the goodbye, the brothers started down the road towards the car dealer. The car dealership wasn't a block, but a block around the corner, so the brothers reached it in no time, even though they had to walk. Dylan was about to walk in when Drew stopped him. What? Dylan asked, bewildered. I'm going to go to the car dealer to see if the Lexus, Lexus 2000 was bought or stolen, and then I'll rent a car, and you're going to the library. You're going to go to the library to research this necklace. Drew handed the beautiful necklace to his brother and pointed the pointed to the library that wasn't but on the other side of the street. Where'd you find this, Dylan asked incredulously. It was stuck between two of the back seats in the Lexus 2000. You're going to go to the library to get some information on it. Yeah, because there's totally going to be information there. What an idiot. Okay, agreed Dylan. Drew watched his brother go off to the library and then headed inside the small car dealership. Then he casually walked into the building. May I be some assistance to you? The person behind the desk asked, rather quaint. 
Yes, I need to see if there has been a Lexus 2000 sold or rented lately. Come with me, the man persisted. Drew followed the man into a back room filled with manila folders. Manila envelopes, whatever. He pulled one of the manila folders out that read on the front, L's. <laughs> the man searched but said that no one had bought a Lexus 2000 there in a long time. Uncomprehending his search, he said thank you and then disappointedly asked the man, Do you happen to have any rental cars available at this precise moment? Yes, we do, the man said. Is there any specific kind of car that you'd like to rent? Drew thought about the question for a minute. He realized that the villain's car was a Lexus, and he wanted to see if the Lexus was a stolen vehicle, so he decided to see if they happened to have one. But then he realized that he'd wrecked his grandparents' Lincoln Town car. I'm so confused. He wondered if he could rent a decoy to replace his grandparents' car. Ah, tricky, tricky. Until the brothers could capture the villains. Um, <laughs> do you have a Lexus 2000? Then Drew thought about the Lincoln and Lexus. They're in the L, so it won't be too hard for him to change to the other car. You're just in luck, he said. We have only one of those. Follow me. The man led Drew outside of the parking lot, where there were several rental cars stationed. They walked to the very back of the lot to an empty space. The... The Lexus, the man stuttered. The Lexus has been stolen! And thank goodness that ends chapter four of the one and only uh, mystery on Stramberg Mountain. Uh, next chapter we'll, we'll look at will be called the Lexus Clue. That's chapter five, and we're still not even halfway done with this this uh, horrendous work of art that is not really a work of art. It's more like it's more like the stuff that's on airs on Cartoon Network nowadays. No thought, just like seemed like I was on drugs when I was in eighth grade. I don't know. Anyways, that ends chapter four, which was called "The Vicious Beast" because the dogs chased us. Anyways, it was a great book. All right. Plug and chuck. Plug and chuck. Plug and chuck. Plug and chuck. 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 All right. Anyways. Forgotten by myself, no one to laugh at my corny jokes. All right, let me plug this stuff real fast. So, um, thank you for listening to today's episode. Um, Catch All Podcast has allowed me to read this whole book. Um, I guess because we don't have many viewers and listens anyway, so it's not really going to hurt us if if you hear this thing. So I guess that's all right. But look, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, um, Instagram. Um, um, Twitcher, um, Patreon, where you can give us all your money so that we can afford to have our rental car and get a Lexus 2000. Oh, wait, it's been stolen. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we're on a bunch of other social networks. I don't really know how social networking works. I'm still trying to figure that out. In fact, I'm going to plug myself real fast, which <laughs> I guess, and it's not for this stupid book. Look, I feel like I'm a better songwriter than I am a novelist. So you can trust me when I tell you you should go look up my song called Megan Kelly. It is on, um, it's on, uh, what is it on? It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. Uh, that's Drew Miller, Megan Kelly. Look it up. She's hot. It's a fun, fun little diddly song. Um, super pop punk. Check it out for me. Also, stay tuned for some more Catch All Podcast episodes that will be coming your way soon. And also, don't forget, at some point in the near future. We will continue reading Mystery on Stramberg Mountain 
And the next chapter, I believe chapter 5, um, is called The Lexus Clue. So stay tuned in to see what happens to these stupid Miller brothers and all that jazz. Jazz hands. <laughs> Bye.